Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And nice gentle jazz for that gentle rain that's falling outside. <laughs> that's actually the kind of rain we need right now. A little... Uh, yeah, cooling it down a bit. Certainly. Oh, definitely cooled it down and kind of letting it soak in. We've had these weird... Uh, Gully, what do they call them? Gully washers? Those sort of pounders that... Uh, I think that's a British term. Yeah, so, the rain's coming down so uh, voluminously that it doesn't have time to uh, soak into the ground and just floods. Floods. And, uh, well, British English may be making a comeback with the ascent of Boris Johnson. We'll see what happens with that. If that is indeed his real name. <laughs> Which it isn't, as it happens. Oh, is it something it's, like... It's not really Boris. Yeah, it's something like Gabriel or Spencer. <laughs> Spencer's actually kind of a traditional British uh, surname. The Vivian. He should be Vivian. Connected, yeah. Boris is Natasha's... J. Vivian Chambers, known as Whitaker Chambers. <laughs> uh, just a real c- quick comment about Boris. You know, he obviously is... Uh, going to have to come through, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. I don't think Britain is ever going to benefit from Brexit, but uh, well, you need to remember that Great Britain is a great science society. They have fantastic uh, intellectual uh, abilities over the years. They do a lot of great research in Britain. They have a lot of capital, too, you know, global capital. They're not, it's not going to be a basket case. But uh, an interesting article in yesterday's uh, New York Times by Ian Baruma. I only mentioned him because he was the editor of the New York Review of Books for several years and was sort of swept out of power in a boneheaded editorial decision he made regarding the Me Too movement. I don't want to go into that at the moment, but he's been an eminent uh, cultural political historian over the years. And he has a great article about Churchill would despise Boris Johnson. Many comparisons, of course, being made between Johnson and Trump, but I think the differences are way more profound than the similarities. And I uh, like his closing paragraph in this article. He writes, The United States can afford to indulge in bashing international institutions and norms, at least for a while, because it is a huge country with powerful domestic economic resources. Britain has unparalleled military strength and great natural resources. Britain has none of these things. The idea that a much larger uh, 
much larger powers such as China, Europe, or indeed the United States, that Britain's going to become like that is a delusion. If it leaves the EU, whose fortunes will be subject to the whims of others, Trump probably won't care, and Churchill would have been horrified because he actually goes into the details of how Churchill was in favor of a United States of Europe as a, an organizing factor in post-war, uh, World War II economic organization. Churchill, by the way, was somebody who insisted on the French being part of the occupying forces of Germany because Britain, Churchill at least, saw an alliance with France as crucial to their future, which of course was bleak because they could no longer afford the empire. Well, and you know, part of me wonders the extent to which Churchill's desire to have a European partner that still held colonial territories as a yes. sort of a bulwark against FDR's uh, argument that ah, after the war, you guys got to let that stuff go. Because, of course, France had Vietnam and Algeria and others. And, of course, <clears throat> neither uh, France nor Britain could hold on to these right. uh, colonies and the nationalism. <clears throat> One of the interesting debates nowadays about nationalism that really is mind-boggling about Trump is he kind of pretends that he's the only nationalist on the planet. Uh, he's not. Everybody is nationalist. And we even saw with this, you know, this, this sort of week where he, he sounded like an eight-year-old kid. I could win the war in Afghanistan in a week, but I just didn't want to kill 10 million people. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, do 10 million people even live in Afghanistan? <laughs> Well, they do, but uh, you wouldn't be able to win a war in a week in Afghanistan unless he pretty much, you know, I could wipe it off the face of the earth. I got an eye on neck. Right. <laughs> Some of the statements he made last week were just bizarre, and I think it explains his his meltdown over the weekend regarding uh, Representative um, Elijah Cummings. Elijah yeah. Cummings, the head of the House Oversight Committee. Uh, we'll leave the uh, the racism debate for others. I think because it's going to no it's going to be tiresome. There's no debate. Yeah, it's it's clear. <laughs> it it is what it is, and everybody can either see it for what it is, and deal with it, or just uh, remain in denial. And don't be surprised that if Daniel Coates, uh, Dan Coates, who just resigned as the intelligence czar, was he pushed? Or was he pushed? Don't be surprised if he did uh, quickly decide to resign because, while I've disagreed with Dan Coates over the years on most polit political issues, he's at least a decent person. He's not. He's part of the system. And when we're confronted with all of this information from the Mueller report about how the Republicans on the on the on the Judiciary Committee and Intelligence Committee were trying to spin this as a FBI conspiracy mm. that the Democrats were behind this. This is all factual nonsense. Uh, the FBI, by the way, got involved in investigating the Russians, so to speak, when it was discovered that they were hacking the DNC and they were hacking the RNC as well. Uh, they just didn't use the information. 
We heard a lot about the Steele dossier and Glenn Simpson and some mysterious professor. That's all kind of, I don't know, it's it's speculative nonsense. Glenn Steele uh, was an intelligence diplomat who worked. Uh, Steele or Simpson? Oh, oh Christopher Steele. Yeah, Christopher Glenn Steele, yeah, Glenn Simpson. Sorry. No. <laughs> I know why I made that slip. There used to be a football player at Michigan called Glenn Steele. Oh. <laughs> uh, very good defensive end. Anyway, um, getting back to the uh, the confrontation uh, 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 over the week with the uh, Mueller report. Well, what did we learn? We learned that from Mr. Mueller, no hoax. It's not a hoax. It's not a witch hunt. Uh, no, there was no exoneration. Uh, the president can be uh, uh, tried after he leaves office. That was one of the new sort of uh, big revelations. Yeah, I've got my four big takeaways. That's number one on the list. That's number one. Uh, and uh, collusion, irrelevant. No such legal charge. And, uh, you know, while this kind of strange presentation of his, you know, where the Democrats would try and get him to read the report— he wouldn't do it. That got a little old after the after a while. But I thought the Intelligence Committee also had one other shining moment. And that was when one of the congressmen went down all of Trump's praises for WikiLeaks. Mm. Well, WikiLeaks is at the heart of this whole mm -hmm. scandal that we don't know enough about. Uh, Julian Assange moved his website to Russia in September of 2016. Between the time that he dumped emails right before the Democratic National Convention and the 7th of October when he dumped emails to uh, ease up pressure on Donald Trump's problems with the Hollywood video. So uh, there's a lot of uninvestigated stuff out there. Let's also make note of the fact, and then I'll let you, you might. read, read Casey off your Kasem's list. Casey top four countdown. Your top four countdown was uh, when um, <clears throat> Mueller was asked about Trump's responsiveness to his questions. Oh, this, the written responses. The written yeah. questions. So it's very easy to, make a co uh, to cover up and obstruct justice if you don't answer the questions. Donald Trump has famously bragged about his prodigious memory. And his full co cooperation. And his superior IQ and all that. Um, but he answered, uh, I can't remember or I don't know 30 times out of 65 questions. That's kind of a high batting average. And in the old days when definitely not, not even a D minus. Yeah. And in the old days when, when, uh, people were making accusations against communists that worked in the, in bureaucratic, uh, offices of the American government during the 1940s and thirties, and they would plead the fifth. That was judged as, that's proof that they're guilty. So this whole burden of proof thing got interestingly flipped on its head. Um, you know, criminal, well, it wasn't criminal, but it wasn't ethical. That's kind of going to be the bottom line. And there are further investigations. And I don't think impeachment is around the corner. But uh, I don't think it was a big win for the Republican Party. It is interesting that one of the most aggressive 
questioners, Mr. Radcliffe, is now going to be replacing Dan, Dan Coates, Coates yeah. as uh, <clears throat> uh, head of the intelligence agencies. It was almost as if Trump had given him a heads up and wanted show to— me, Show me what you got. Dazzle show, me. Show me the money. Yeah. Well, as you were talking, I jotted down a fifth point that I'm going to add quickly to my list. But uh, for me, the major takeaways from the hearings were the one you've mentioned. I believe it was a congressman from Colorado, a Republican, actually, who brought up the notion of uh, you chose not to indict because of the uh, guidelines. Uh, but could the president be indicted after his term? Right. And a very crisp yes answer. Uh Ken Buck was the Republican. Okay. And then uh, I think the more productive session was the Intelligence Committee, uh, whether it was their procedural advantage or or what have you. But uh, the uh, exchange that uh, Adam Schiff was involved in these uh, as chairman of that committee, uh, bringing up the number of numerous contacts, dismissing the term collusion as it's not really a legally chargeable term. Uh, but that the, the vast number of contacts between Russians uh, and uh, Trump campaign uh, high-ranking officials. Um, and, and the Mueller quote was, yeah, this is highly problematic at best because, of course, their refusal or, uh, you know, well, I guess we won't report this. We'll just lie about it and say that there were none, uh, even though it was provable that there were many. Highly problematic at best is... <laughs> You know, it's not damning language, but it's it's not good. It It, it is damning language, but it's ambiguous. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, what some of the disappointment was for people who had very high expectations that this would be the movie version. And as far as the movie version goes, why not make a movie version? Somebody right. should do that. You could make it with puppets, you know, do the puppet show version of the puppet. And we'll have to talk about 45 as a puppet a little bit later because that was one of the highlights of the week, too. But really quickly, back to my list. Uh, the other exchange involving Adam Schiff and uh, uh, Robert Mueller involved uh, Schiff sort of ending a, a litany of uh, deeds as, uh, are th- is this morally wrong? Sure. And Mueller said, uh, also a crime. <laughs> a nice, I mean, that doesn't put too fine a line on it. Um, of course, the question, I forget who asked it, why didn't you indict Don Jr.? And Mueller's response was, I can't speak to that. It's an ongoing matter. Right. Uh, my gut suspicion is that there are those in the FBI who see this as a longer game and that if you go after Don Jr., who clearly is involved in highly sketchy operations uh, at that mildest, um, he'd be pardoned. And so you think, well, pissing off the FBI is is never a shrewd move. You know, they, they don't like that and they will aggressively pursue you would think as mm-hmm. they have done in the past as with even like a- alleged communists as you referred to earlier uh that uh investigate fully and uh prosecute so uh maybe there's a longer strategy at play within the fbi than those hopeful that Mueller's appearance would like elevate the game to like it now we're in full impeachment mode uh and the the final observation from Mueller. Uh, asking about, uh, well, gee, you had detailed all these number, uh, numerous ways in which Russians uh, actively uh, attempted to subvert the election process to the uh, disadvantage of one candidate and for the benefit of another candidate. 
And uh, at the end of that exchange, Mueller ended with, quote, they're doing it as we sit here. Sure. There you go. Uh, and then, lo and behold, uh, was it one or two days later, Mitch McConnell refuses to allow to come to the floor of the Senate a bipartisan bill that would put uh, uh, safeguards in place nationwide uh, for the subsequent elections. Mitch McConnell clearly no longer works for the people of America, let alone Kentucky, I guess. Well, he's been implicated in some suspicious campaign contributions from both Russia and the Ukraine. So when Donald Trump tweets no collusion, it's interesting that he tweeted uh, the day, you know, several hours before the hearings ever started. He wanted to make sure that he stuck to a story and uh, kept, uh, uh, you know, kept uh, the headline the same, no collusion, no obstruction. Well, Mitch McConnell is obstructing, obviously, his whole tenure is both minority leader where he could use the the filibuster and the majority leader where he could just refuse to to bring bills to the floor, which is what he's done now for 15 years. Mm -hmm. That's the obstruction that's going on in our country. And let's remember that it's not just collaborating with uh, the Trump campaign. It's the manipulation of propaganda. Facebook. One of the main Russian operations, trolling operation, if you will, was to create racial and cultural division. They were using fake uh, people, literally, creating mythical people on the Internet and using bots and the the reinforcement of Facebook and, and whatnot, Google for searches, that kind of thing, the problems that America has with its modern technology to create this dissension, to create manipulation, to try and divide America. Uh, Trump was colluding with that objective, clearly. And as for all of this nonsense about the Steele uh, dossier and Carter Page, Carter Page wasn't indicted. Well, who knows? I mean, we don't know what was discussed at the meeting that he attended in Russia in July of uh, 2016. It's interesting that Julian Assange shortly thereafter uh, got the hacked emails from the Russians and dumped it on the eve of the Democratic Convention, which created this, um, exacerbated the tension that already existed between uh, the Bernie Sanders faction of the uh, Democratic Party and the Hillary Clinton part of the party. Carter Page was hired by Donald Trump. George Papadopoulos was hired by Donald Trump. He gave them credentials, bona fides, if you will, to use spy talk here, spookery, that enabled them to meet Russians because the Russians are not going to meet Ivanka Trump. (laughs) Although it's it's definitely worth reminding people here that the part of the reason Corey Lewandowski was investigated by the FBI with regards to the trip you've mentioned to Moscow is that years prior to that, he was approached and actively recruited by a couple of individuals under FBI surveillance who were Russian agents seeking uh, sources of information. And they actually uh, made serious efforts to recruit Corey Lewandowski, referring to him in their confiscated notes as a useful idiot. 
Well, and and Carter Page was known to be quote wackadoodle. He, Carter Page, I mean, I misspoke with Carter. Oh, Carter Lindos Page, yeah. yeah he, Carter he Page was he was a Russophile who went way back. Yeah. Uh, with Russian agents for years, so the fact that Steele picked up on intelligence uh, from uh, various sources that he had, uh, both uh, in Russia, in Eastern Europe, and in the United States. He's the one that caught wind of these questionable meetings that were going on. Originally, by the way, Glenn Simpson, who uh, was was the head of the Fusion GPS, you'll hear that uh, company tossed around quite a bit. They were originally hired by Paul Singer, a Republican who opposed Donald Trump. In fact, he was bankrolling Marco Rubio. So the opposition research that got this whole thing going actually was Republican opposition research. The Republicans on the House committee omitted that. And the main objective, as experts on Putin keep pointing out, his main goal, his main objective is to divide the United States and the EU. Well, how convenient that Nigel Farage, Boris Johnson, and Donald Trump are doing just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this, this, this goofy thing, France imposes an Internet tax of 3%. Then Trump has a little st- tweet storm about wine. I don't drink wine, but American wine is much better. <laughs> you know, nothing is too small for the guy. He makes up a story about... Uh, India claims that when he met Modi a month ago, Modi encouraged him to uh, become an, um, a neutral negotiator in the Kashmir dispute. The Indian government had to call in and correct the record and said, no, that was never discussed with the Donald unit. Uh, our position has always been that this is a bilateral situation between us and Pakistan. Uh, We would never ask for the Americans to be a neutral arbiter. Gee, look how well that's turned out in Palestine. So this kind of bizarre behavior, I I mean, uh, Prime Minister Khan of Pakistan probably was wondering, what am I doing here? Why am I at this photo op where Trump is is talking about (laughs) destroying Afghanistan from the face of the earth. I could do it in a week. He's thinking, yeah, that's right next door to us. Uh, This is going to play weird at home. And of course, you know, the other explanation or the one of the other developments over the week in foreign policy that suggests that Trump's uh, influence is zilch around the world, other than with Orban and BB is that the um, members of the Iranian uh, nuclear deal were, were holding high-level talks without the United States. They're tr- trying to still salvage the deal. China's position: we're not going to. Uh, you're not going to tell us where we can buy oil from. So they're they're going to defy uh, Trump. Uh, Trump's out of options on the tariffs. He keeps asserting that the tariffs are, are that America's gaining uh, revenue from that when it's completely the opposite. 
Uh, China's in no hurry to make a deal. Trump keeps asserting about this magical, mythical big deal that he's going to make with China. That's not going to happen because it hasn't happened for two years. Um, China is simply looking at Trump and his increasing weakness globally and saying, meh, we'll outlast him. (laughs) They're not going to make some big deal. They're actually probably more concerned about uh, the uh, popular uprisings and public protests in Hong Kong, quite frankly, than uh, anything Trump has to say. And that, of course, is part of the inept uh, government in Hong Kong, which is not uh, specifically run by the Chinese Communist Party. This uh, woman whose name escapes me obviously made a very foolish proposal about extradition. That's what's created the protest. Now there's a kind of a movement that I think has gone beyond the protest. It's Well, it's, there's been a sort of a counter-protest yeah. movement with uh, some suspected Chinese affiliations of like yeah. these gangs dressed in white thrashing people. We don't really know yeah, what that's, that's... a little murky still, but... Uh, still a little murky. And let's remember that Hong Kong is not being turned over to China for quite some time. Um, I think the year might be 2047. Of the passing of Li Peng over the weekend, uh, the sort of architect of the uh, stomping down on the uh, Tiananmen Square uprising. Yeah, and, and you know, there's there are no illusions. China is not a democracy by any stretch of the imagination. But one of the interesting things, or one of the absent uh, figures in the Mueller uh, questioning, two, were Michael Flynn and James Comey. Mm. The firing of James Comey is what led to this special prosecutor. Right. Uh, There was barely anything asked about that, which I found very strange. And let's remember that Donald Trump was briefed by American intelligence officials, the head of the CIA, the head of the FBI, the head of the NSA, on the 6th of January before he was inaugurated, alerting him to the existence of the so-called Steele dossier. What did Trump do? He leaked the meeting, the, the fact that the meeting took place, began denouncing the Steele dossier, and then began attacking the American intelligence agencies with the bizarre perception that they were trying to blackmail him. When, if you read some of the substance in the Steele dossier, it's just the other way around. It's what does Russia have on Trump? He doth protest too much, methinks. And that's a kind of a standard operating practice with him is... You can tell what's ticking him off by the way he complains about stuff. Yeah. And, of course, you know, one of the fascinating minor details is that James Comey hung around after the meeting to inform Donald Trump about the... uh, Everybody else says, this is a little awkward. We'll let you do this one-on-one. That way it's less intimidating to have that many people in the room while he hears that information. He was given the information about the prostitutes and his... Uh, trip to uh, Moscow during the uh, the beauty pageant. So when Trump keeps asserting, I have nothing to do with Russia, well, inquiring minds want to know. By the way, I do highly recommend a book called Collusion, 
which is the title of the book, Secret Meetings, Journey, Money, and How Russia Helped Donald Trump Win, by Luke Harding. Uh, he worked uh, as a journalist for The Guardian. This was kind of an early, uh, you know, uh, book on some of the details. Goes into the oligarchs, goes into the Steele memo. But very quickly, just to read a couple of the uh, items from the original Steele memo that was composed in June of 2016. Russian regime has been cultivating, supporting, and assisting Trump for at least five years. AIM, endorsed by Putin, to encourage splits and divisions in the Western alliance. So far, Trump has declined various sweetener real estate business details offered to him by Russia to further the Kremlin cultivation of him. However, he and his inner circle have accepted a regular flow of intelligence from the Kremlin, including on his Democratic and other political rivals. Well, there you have an interesting example of the information exonerating Trump to some extent on the real estate, but not on the intelligence. Steele was, look, this guy worked for MI6 back in the 90s. He worked in the Russian uh, embassy. He was a high-ranking British official who probably was using his diplomatic cover um, to to spy. So we know spying's going on. There's a lot of spookery here. We don't know what happened at all these meetings. Uh, Mueller doesn't know what happened. We never will know. But the Russians might know more than we think. And probably do. Uh, but who, somebody else who doesn't know something is uh, whoever was in charge of the uh, Trump performance at Turning Point USA, the youth conservative uh, gathering. You heard about the presidential seal logo that was flashed out of the screen behind him? No, I, I think I vaguely heard about well, this. Well, but... he eventually stood behind a podium with the actual, real, official seal of the United States, which is the president of the United States, which is easily recognizable with the eagle with the uh, olive branch in one talon and the 13 arrows, arrows in the yeah. other mm-hmm. and the shield. And there's all this symbology on there representing the 13 colonies, yada, yada. We all know it. Greco-Roman. Yeah, but apparently whoever was in charge of uh, creating the audiovisual effects for this thing simply did a search on the Internet for the presidential seal and unwittingly, you know, downloaded a spoof presidential seal that included the following details. Instead of olive branch and uh, arrows, of course, representing peace and war, the powers Mm -hmm. thereof, the uh, joke one uh, has cash in one talon and golf clubs in the other. There you go. Uh, a series of hammer and sickles above the uh, what's usually a stars and stripes shield. Uh, of course, love the touch of the Russian double-headed eagle. Mm-hmm. How could you not notice that? I mean, if you're downloading that, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. And then finally, uh, in uh, the original official seal it says e pluribus unum sure out of many one uh the satirical one uh said uh, 45 is a puppet in spanish in spanish well that's perfect and of course it's consistent paul krasner would be very very pleased with that prankster <laughs> maybe it was yeah. maybe it was paul krasner from beyond <laughs> his, his last act <laughs> yeah, my last prank my last prank 
And, of course, you know, just a couple of weeks ago during the 4th of July, remember Trump's famous, we're going to ram the ramparts. We're going to 